Welcome to another episode of the Doomer Optimism Podcast. Uh, my name is Donald. I'm an occasional first-time host, and I'm joined by Ashley Colby, and uh, co-hosting, and we're interviewing today Claire Coffey, who is a writer who lives in Idaho. She is not based in Idaho, but she lives in Idaho. So that's her author bio. And I appreciate it that she said she lived there and it's not based there. I was thinking yesterday, the whole base somewhere, <laughs> it's like military speak almost, you know? Uh, and it's a rainy day in the Pacific <laughs> Northwest. Uh, my carrots are starting to come up and the garlic's looking good. <laughs> and we're here to talk about a trio of articles uh, that Claire wrote for the New Atlantis <clears throat> about... Um, uh, living without a car and, and and traveling without a phone and then how to make friends. Um, mm -hmm. And the three complement each other quite nicely. So Claire, could you introduce yourself? But you and I met, I don't know, some years ago in West Philadelphia. I think you're from Philadelphia, but you live yes. in Idaho now. Uh, so to the extent yes, I'm you, based you in have, Philadelphia, you're based in, in Philadelphia, but you live in Idaho. Very good. Uh, <laughs> so you don't have to, you know, you can only give as much life story as you want to, but uh, maybe you could connect the dots a little bit um, <laughs> uh, for us and and introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, as as noted, I am Claire Coffey. Uh, I from Philadelphia originally. Um, uh, I I moved out to Idaho. I want to say two thousand seventeen. Um, I actually spent 2020 in Tbilisi, Georgia. Um, so I lived there for a year and then I came back to Idaho. Um, mostly because it's it's one of those funny situations where it's actually cheaper to buy a house in Philly than it is here in Idaho, uh, or at least my part of Idaho, but it's more expensive to rent. So this is a good place to rent, a bad place to buy. So eventually the dream was to to make the long, long-awaited homecoming pomp and splendor in a, like, by my house. I have seven brothers and sisters um, and a bunch of cousins, most of whom are in that area. So I, I can't really imagine um, permanently settling anywhere else. Um, but that's the dream, to get back to the big city, out of this country life, like the opposite of a Hallmark Christmas movie. <laughs> And what kind of family do you come from that you have such a big family? Uh, Catholic. <laughs> they, they always say it's like west of the Rockies, you're Mormon, east of the Rockies, you're Catholic. If <laughs> you've got that many kids. <laughs> Great. So um, I don't know, we could get started talking a little bit, or maybe you could um, describe a little bit this trio of articles, which I agree. Um, also, could we pause for a second? Yeah, yeah. Moscow, I or excuse me, Idaho, because the rent is cheap. <clears throat> anyway, yes. that's amazing. Why not? <laughs> I mean, that's not how I ended up here, but I ended okay. up here due a very bad relation to decision. But I, but I, <laughs> I stayed because the rent is cheap. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and it's, I mean, yeah, so Idaho I, is a beautiful is is beautiful. It, it's it's an interesting place. Very far from Philadelphia. Okay, carry on. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess the, this trio of articles are really, um, I think kind of, uh, a part fitting for our, our podcast, which is called Doomer Optimism. And it's just sort of like a lot of the themes we explore are like these sort of mundane ways in which you can, I don't know, rediscover meaning in what feels like a kind of, um, alienating or sometimes, um, yeah, sometimes just sterile world. And so this, the joy of using, losing your phone, driven apart and how to make friends. For me, the, the theme is, um, is, is kind of finding different ways to subvert these assumptions about what kind of technologies we use in order to like regain some of that spontaneity. Um, but one thing before we get started, I just have to, I have to read one particular line from one of your articles that made me laugh out loud. Um, Gen Z is at risk of stalling out in the mortal words of clueless, a bunch of virgins who can't drive. Um, I laughed so hard at that. Um, and I just want to congratulate you for being such a clear writer and very funny and making your thesis without being like so opaque, which I feel like a lot of these, a lot of writers nowadays are just like lean into being opaque to be able to make their point but your point is very clear and it's very good and interesting um so anyways yeah let's talk about these these three articles can we start with the how to make friends okay is that okay i i really appreciate this article you start off giving the lit kind of standard litany americans are lonely you know bowling alone so on we're like okay all of that is true but you can't sit around in your house waiting <laughs> for the complete transformation of American culture or something like that. That would be nice if it happened. But in the meantime, you know, you got to go out. So <clears throat> what was the impetus for writing this? Like, uh, And then maybe you can tell our listeners, so we'll link to the article, but you can tell them how to make friends. Because I imagine, you know, most podcast listeners are desperately... Uh, in need of that advice <laughs> um, yeah sure the impetus for the article um, I think it, it started because I was um, it started because the day after I lost my phone I sat down started like writing a funny account of it um, and when I got back I, I sent it off to um editor of the New Atlantis, uh, Ari Shulman, who's a wonderful editor. Um, and he said, we'll take it. Um, and why don't you actually expand this um, and, and write a couple more, like more of your virtue of necessity, um, you know, turning your bad habits of losing things and failing driver's licensing exams into, into a sort of alternate ways of looking at the world essays. Um, so we eventually just kind of played around with different ideas and settled on this kind of three-part thing. And I think the, uh, we, were, we were trying to, to close it with something that was uh, sort of positive um, or, you know, something you could, you could act on. Um, and so I just sort of sat down and tried to um, think about the places where I've lived and what um, I've been lucky enough to always make friends easily um, 
and thinking about what conditions sort of helped foster that, what, how would I go about reverse engineering it if it, if I were like trying to, ex, you know, explain it to someone with a kind of a different temperament um, and to also try to disentangle what, what parts of it are things you can do and what parts of it are just not in your control. Um, and that's, that how, that's how that essay came to be. Um, so one of the themes that keeps coming up in um, Doomer Optimism is this theme of like, um, well, you know, the system is so messed up, I can't even really do anything in, unless my, or my effort should be focused on like changing the system itself. And then another theme that comes up socially a lot is a lot of people ask like, well, how do I find people who are like-minded to me? You know, it's so hard for me to make a community because I just need to find like-minded individuals. And um, in your article, you said, don't assume you can only be friends with people like you, whether this is age, sex, occupation, or politics, you can make friends with disabled veterans or widowed grandmothers and college students. You'll find what they offer cannot be predicted. And so I wonder if you could just talk about that a little bit. I think I share your enthusiasm for friendship with people who are different and in fact I feel like it's kind of the basis for all functioning society um so I don't know maybe you could expand on that that line yeah I mean I I think um I think the the most obvious one the one that gets sort of the most uh airtime is is, is making social bonds across political lines but I think in many ways we're like you're really um for a lot of our lives kind of shuffled into sort of age and class segregated um venues you know you go to school with people of your own age probably of a certain demographic profile and then you do that and you get your job and your where your where you work is going to be um another another little funnel um and um you know my my, my best friend in town um who I, she's just one of the best friends of my life is a uh, 67. She's just the most incredible woman. Um, I'm so <laughs> lucky to know her and uh, I wouldn't have ever met her in any sort of looking for people like me um, because she's not like me. She's older, she's had a different life. Uh, we probably disagree about most things politically. Um, and yeah, if I if I had not just been hanging out constantly at her little cafe and just made friends with her there, I would never have met her and she would never have brought this wonder, wonderful richness to my life that she has. Mm. I have to tell a story about a neighbor I met because I feel like these stories are much more useful sometimes than talking in the abstract. Um, here, when I moved to Uruguay, I met this old, older expat couple uh, gay couple, Patrick McDonald and Christopher Slane, um, British and Irish. And he, P Patrick, had this crazy life. Like he was involved in, um, he was, he was jailed for conspiracy. He was, he was trying to pass LSD to the U.S. nuclear submarine operators with the theory that <laughs> they would not press the button if they had taken LSD before and um and he was like part of a group in the 60s that like like went off to Scotland and um 
and like we're synthesizing LSD on these like types of wheat that would not necessarily get moldy in that part of Scotland and so the farmers were like why are you growing that type of wheat like we know that that gets moldy like they knew they were up to something and there were like there was like a chemist in their group and they were synthesizing LSD and he was like kind of friends with Princess Anne for a while and he would have these long parties that were, were like we, I had to like get everybody to go to Stonehenge just to leave my house. Like, like let's go trip at Stonehenge or whatever. Anyways, he was just such a cool guy. He had a story about going to South Africa and taking the like mixed race elevator. And then he got kicked out of South Africa forever um, for not taking the white elevator. Anyways, it was such a cool person to meet. And, um, you know, it was just because of like happenstance that we were at this same part of the world at the same time, um, English speakers. And so, uh it was weird to think that he was my friend but it was like um so such a wonderful and rich friendship um and so yeah I mean that kind of thing it's kind of impossible and I also think about dating apps where people are like I will only talk to somebody with you know above this height or whatever and and um and kind of precluding anyone like any kind of spontaneity or and it used, to, no like, idea. It used to emerge from proximity uh, a lot more. You know, you'd play with the kids who lived around your house and it wasn't right. based on shared activities or, um, you know, more formally organized things. Or like parents kind of matchmaking via play dates. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 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 The dating apps is a, crazy one because I don't I don't know how I would possibly make a decision under those I feel like I'd just be like all right anybody who wants to come meet me come have a drink I'll be here from this to this time on Fridays you may come to my office hours and see if I I can't imagine like looking at a picture and seeing like okay age age 26 five miles away thinking yes or no I, I feel like people I, I understand why people make crazy like heuristics in that circumstance because I don't know how you would possibly like the only situation I can imagine that being useful for is like if you can just filter for like once kids is Catholic wants to leave hometown wants to stay in hometown right but you you can't even like you don't even filter for the actual important on paper things so you just get absolutely <laughs> nothing of value and endless decision making now, I find them fascinating but but now there's all the niche ones there are like the catholic dating app the jewish dating app i guess like yeah for the crazy people in every religion yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> or maybe, maybe not i feel like in like 2011 the catholic it was called catholic match and it was just all weirdos but i got on it so who's the weirdo now <laughs> <laughs> Um, so your first suggestion for people to make friends is uh, to become a regular. Um, develop a routine around the same physical places as much as you can. Uh, and it brought to mind when we first moved, we moved to Northwest Washington when my daughter was one year old. And having a small child makes a lot of the things you describe much easier. Because we just went to the same playground. Uh, that was near our house all mm -hmm. the time and that's how we met basically everyone we know 
was like, oh, we've seen you. You kind of like you see someone three or four times. Oh, your kid's about the same age as my kid. You seem nice. Let's trade numbers. And then you just end up seeing people over and over and over again. Right. Uh, and the nice thing when you have a little kid is that you can get to know someone very well quickly um but it removes some of the pressure of that because it's you're getting your kids together you're not getting together but it's actually the for the parents not anyway it like it <laughs> creates a social situation which is much easier to spend a lot of time with someone relatively quickly uh which is a little harder to do right. that because i think but um anyway so that's maybe you could talk we could i don't would it make sense to go through your different suggestions the so Number one is develop a routine or in the same physical places. And number two is participate in the drama of the street. So do you want to introduce those? Uh you gotta you get teaching, you gotta teach a class, Claire, because I think the people out there are really suffering. They need I think our generation in particular, yeah. it seems to me, is the most antisocial generation in human history. And so <laughs> They need, yeah. they, they need they need help <laughs> well, i'll do my best okay um so my first one like you said was just uh go find a spot and to me that's one of the most important um i, I think for the reasons i said in my piece which is that you know a lot of people a lot of people have social anxiety um and i think it might be a generational thing like they really struggle with um, not feeling like an intruder or a moron as soon as they open their mouth to talk to someone. And I think if you just get used to going to the same spot every day, you, you can take things at your own pace. You can try things out. You can just put one little foot in front of the other. Um, and you don't have to approach it as like a project. Like today, I'm going to talk to five people and be social. Like if you keep showing up, just keep showing up, uh, the little tiny opportunities will arise to smile at someone or to help clean up a drink that got spilled or or something that <laughs> kind of brings you into contact organically with your fellow man. Um, and I think the other thing about becoming a regular is, like you said, with the the great example of the you know kids, is that it's much, much easier to make friends with someone over some kind of shared things external thing um whether it's as momentous as child rearing or as you know relatively non-momentous as we both really like this space and come here a lot um so the more you have external things in your life that you could share with someone the the more you're going to find sharing opportunities um that was the next oh, the drama of the street <laughs> this is this is me like making making a virtue of my bad habits again because I, I I I tend to pop off very quickly, and then unpop. Um, so I uh, <laughs> I just I have. You're from you know. Philadelphia, so <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes you just. That's My wife's from Kentucky, of... and so when we moved to Philadelphia, okay. she was really, it was a real uh, difficult Culture transition. <laughs> so, yeah, I always feel like, it was funny, when I moved out here, I I kept wondering why I had, like, fight or flight response 
every time I met a new person. And finally, I realized like back home, I feel like people talk about, they complain about something together, like sport, like the, the, the Phillies or SEPTA or something. But here people are like, so what's your story? And I'm like, get away from me. I will kill you. <laughs> um, They're too friendly. yeah, just like, just really lovely people. Not, not like a, it was just interesting to see like how uncomfortable I was just because it was just a different, a different cultural norm. Um, so I can imagine someone moving to Philly would be equally struck by, <laughs> you know, The Philly thing I always tell people is I once listened to an hour of sports radio in Philadelphia in which caller after caller was like yelling angry about how pissed off they were that Philadelphia fans were unfairly maligned as angry. <laughs> they proved it they were like, it is just so screwed up that Philadelphia fans are given this reputation of being angry and everyone was just righteously pissed off that, that they were, that people didn't call Philly fans angry. I mean it's it's a little exaggerated and they're very supportive too no one ever talks about that like if you show up and you work hard and you show like you show that you care they're very very supportive Unless your name's but Donovan McNabb and then they <laughs> for some okay reason well have a deep and abiding enmity against you. yeah he deserves everything he gets anyway <laughs> um um so i i don't know i've just found that i think i guess one of the the good sides of kind of being pretty easily okay with kind of quarreling um is that it just it makes it very obvious that it's actually okay to have some conflict and it's okay to be in situations with another person in public where you're not actually sure how the situation is gonna go or whether you're the good guy or how you're being perceived. All of that is recoverable from, even if you are in the wrong. Um, and I think a lot of, this is probably part of the social anxiety thing, people are really afraid of like um, doing it wrong. Um, like, like if they talk to someone, if they talk, they talk to a neighbor, they'll, I don't know, the they'll be bothering them. Or if they, I don't know, make some small talk or, uh, yeah, they'll be annoying. They'll be stupid. They'll be something negative, but that's okay. Like you can be annoying. So not everyone's going to like you. It's not a big deal. You don't have to like them either. And sometimes when you don't like each other. Like I told this story, um, it's actually this happened to me twice in New York. <laughs> I visited, got into an altercation with the building super, and by the end of it, we were friends. The first time, like, like, hey, do you want to smoke a cigarette? I was like, yeah, like, I'm glad we, we worked through this. And the second time he was like, you come, you come look me up whenever you're in the city. And I was like, oh, New York is great. Um, I mean, it's terrible, but it's great. Um, sorry, I'm rambling on about um, my building super history, but I, I just, you can do all kinds of things up to and including getting into a fight with someone. And if you have goodwill and are willing to apologize and keep moving on and kind of work on the problem, you'll get through it. It's fine.
Yeah, I I love this advice and I love this story about the fighting with the super because it's like I do feel like part of the sterility that that like plagues modern life has to do with our idea that like only a very narrow range of behaviors is acceptable like publicly or privately and you like we have so much control over our social environment if it's like via texts or tweets or messages and not even like less and less people do phone calls because that feels like even less in control than um like texting back and forth right um and so there is this sense of like just having control so that you like don't mess up um but it takes away a lot of the like I don't know range of human experience like yeah I mean growing up like growing up I'm from like a working class family in Chicago and I remember like um yeah just like seeing a lot more outwardly emotional behavior like just in between people who are like maybe not even that close um right or just neighbors or whatever and I don't know is that is that good I mean kind of like and then sometimes things come to a head and you just need to address them and that's also like a skill um that is necessary for like just being a human, you know, as opposed to like either maybe walking away or um, just never addressing it and just remaining cold and isolated or something. Um, right, remaining cold. Okay, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the next one um, we want to go through the list, engage in small talk. Well, I was going to jump ahead actually. To oh, the, oh, okay. There's one go that ahead. goes along with this pretty well, which is that if you have a front yard or a porch or something that interacts with the street, like do stuff out there and and so you mm. can be, there's a positive drama of the street too it's not just um yeah it's not just getting it's not just fights. me getting into altercations yeah not just altercations <laughs> with building supervisors but you know there's a positive thing where you know i um you know you're going for a walk and you chat with someone watering the garden and that uh, we have a wonderful experience of frequently when I go on walks with my daughters around the neighborhood people give us stuff from their garden mm-hmm. you know I find it's a great you just compliment someone's garden oh. and the next thing you know you know you're being handed vegetables and fruit and things it's it, it's never failed me as I was starting to a conversation yeah. like oh you have a lovely garden and then it's, you know it always goes well from there the other one that whenever I hear a language I don't know, I always ask what language, you know, like, oh, what language are you speaking? It never goes badly. It's always an interesting conversation. There's a strange like a, a great one idea that you're not supposed to ask people where they're from or like what language they're speaking or whatever. Uh, it's become a and it. I think it's actually it's terrible advice um, to not. You know, it's a, this is basically like don't be curious about strangers is is the um uh and sometimes I'm I'm shocked by the languages like how the heck did you end up in this little you know um like I heard so, so these ladies speaking uh Slovenian or Slovak anyway some uh at the playgrounds like oh that's amazing that that we have Slovenians here uh, I mean why not um. That's really cool. So yeah, I, in the drama of the street, there's another way you can do that, which is, you know, be outward fo- focusing. Like you said, just put up a lawn chair and, you know, uh, have a drink in your front yard or whatever, and then chat with the passersby. Um, 
and it's the yeah. the the positive or friendly drama of the street that way mm -hmm. right and i think to be clear most most of most of the like 90 90 to 95 percent of the drama of the street is the good the good drama um yes. uh and it's it's just going on all the time like take a walk around um you'll just yeah, like you said, yeah, you'll see people in their gardens working and and that's such a great idea to just just go for a walk and compliment people in their gardens because I I feel like yeah, like nothing opens people up as much. Like once if someone is a gardener, they will talk about their garden. They will like oh, yeah. you have an immediate sort of bridge to to their heart. Um yeah, I, I just think there's like whether you are in your own yard and waiting for passer passersby or you are just sort of walking around doing your thing and saying hi to people and just commenting on what you see. Um, I think you, you know, in a, in a friendly way, I think you're just gonna, you're gonna sort of like just create these little doors where things can come through and you can't really say like, Oh, if you do this, this will definitely happen. This definitely won't happen, but there's just more doors in your life. If you're walking around, love, opening your mouth. I love that way of putting it because part of what like we're always trying to get across is like, um, is like some kind of agency. I don't know for sure if I give you a prescription that if you get chickens, you'll like meet other people with chickens and have like a whole group of chicken friends. But like if you get into something and you're passionate about it, like, and you open the door, there is the potential there that's not there if you just have the door shut and say like, this is all just broken. Um, and on that point, um, I have a little, goes with um, engage in small talk, your rule number three. Um, when I was in Chicago last, um, Patrick and I went to this little golf, reused, like used golf equipment store. Patrick's my husband and um we had just gone to the pawn shop and like we had extended conversation in both of these stores because they're just like weird stores you know and like the pawn shop you've got like a lot of things you can ask yeah. about and then you learn the history of it and I didn't, never really thought of like there's oh, yeah, a type there's of store you can go into where you like can start talking about weird stuff and like hear the history of this thing and like there was a Bose radio in there and I was like, oh man, Bose radios are like in pawn shops now. I thought like this was like the technology, whatever, <laughs> 20 years ago. And now it's like in a pawn shop anyways. And then we went to this golf sh shop and the guy had among everything, all the golf stuff, his own honey for sale. And I was like, oh, what is this? Where is this That's honey awesome. from? He was like, oh, I'm a beekeeper. And then it was like literally 25 minutes of detail on how he beat <laughs> and I was like okay we need to get out of here but my dad tried to get into beekeeping and he lives right near there and so I was like let me get your card like my dad can ask you you know troubleshoot things with you you're an expert expert level and he's like oh yeah send him down here I love I love sharing um so that kind of like little thing where you just ask one little question people are dying to talk feels like no it's true yeah but I love that point about like there being like there definitely are places that are just 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 full of stuff and just like other lives kind of colliding with yours or um pawn shop's a great one i love the hardware store i love just going to the hardware store and being like all right here's what i want to do 
Am I crazy? What do I need? I want to build a chicken coop, but my landlord's like going to evict me maybe if I get chickens. Uh, but I just want to build one and see if the little quail cut. Like I'll, I'll just, I'll take these like half cocked stupid schemes constantly. <laughs> just like, <laughs> all right, guys, walk me through it. Is this even possible? Yeah. Is this worth the time? And then you always end up sending like 80 cents at a hardware store after they spend like an hour <laughs> describing things to you. They're like, here, take these yeah. two hinges. It's 80 cents. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, yeah, I, I I truly, truly love going to, I, I feel like, the, I mean, my, my little schemes to build things have mixed degrees of success but i feel like uh refinishing furniture is such a great hobby for this reason like you have to go get you have to go out and get the furniture from yard sales you meet people you have to go to the you know the hardware store to to pick your your finish yeah it's a great thing to do outside in your yard um so this is small commercial if you if you need a hobby refinishing furniture is gonna take you to good places my wife is real involved in our local buy nothing group, which the design of the group is that whenever it reaches, I think a thousand people, it shrink it it splits and becomes more hyper local. So it's restricted in size, and then it just gets narrower and narrower geographically. Um, and so she's you know it keeps splitting, getting smaller. So we have access to less good stuff, but. <laughs> Uh, it used to be sort of citywide, and now it's just like <laughs> down to the neighborhood. Um, but it's amazing because when in periods when she's real active on it, I just have all these strange people coming onto my porch. She always leaves things on the porch for them. There's all these strange, <laughs> and then I get sent on missions, you know, around town mm -hmm. to go to people's homes and pick <laughs> up like a yeah, we get amazing. Like we got a marble rolling pin, and all these very people give away really nice things it's not Ooh, just junk you know nice things um but we've actually yeah. like she's met a lot of people just through this you sort of trade back and forth with someone enough and you get to know people and because it's real right. local it's an interesting um i think these things exist all over the place but uh it's a pretty ingenious um they do pretty ingenious uh thing but it's always funny like to see the strange people on my porch um <laughs> and uh including like there's you know we have these famous buy nothing like there's a woman in town who's like a retired sports illustrated swimsuit model turned kind of a uh, hippie mom you know very odd uh character nice but yeah. very odd like talking with her it's like oh wow there's i don't know <laughs> some lost years or something uh and just, you know, anyway, you get all these strange characters on your porch, but it's nice that there's um like the, a porch is a, just thinking about your thing about interacting in the street, a porch is a nice thing where it's like a, the perfect place where, you know, it's a slight bit of intimacy, I guess, but it's, it's you know, it's a place for interacting with relative strangers. Like, you know, someone inviting oh, you yeah. onto their porch, porch very be different from being invited into their living room. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yeah, much, much, much lower sort of effort for both parties um, in a good way. And yeah, I think you can, I mean, you can, you can make some version of a porch um, 
you've got a stoop, if you've got a lawn, if you've got any space, you can, if you, it, I don't know, I find if you just, if you set up some lawn furniture in a pleasing way, um, people will use it. Um, people like my lawn furniture, people I don't know sometimes come by and sit in it. Um, it's, I have, like, so I live in a fourplex um, and we all share the lawn, but sometimes people just like passing by, will just sit down for a minute and I'm like, oh, it's kind of nice. Um, yeah. But my neighbors and I, we do a, when the weather's nice, we do a Sunday evening happy hour where we put out, there's a lane uh, that runs through the houses and we, everyone brings out um, folding chairs and we just hang out. Uh, so nice. And it's extremely low effort, you know, it's just folding chairs, kind of bring your own drink if you want to. Once in a blue moon, we'll have a potluck in someone's garage. But, uh, yeah, very easy. And it was just, I don't remember how it started. Someone proposed it, and then there's sort of one guy who kind of sends out the like, hey, weather's going to be nice on Sunday, happy hour. And, you know, people just show up. Yeah. Uh, extremely easy. To put together that's fun very low stakes and so okay um on that point moving from spheres where it's low stakes to slightly higher stakes invite your neighbors over let's um let's run through this bit of advice where when does it become appropriate we're like relearning all the social norms that were just <laughs> inherent in our parents generation yeah um <laughs> i yeah i i think you know, this is just one lady's two cents. I think you can always, like, you don't have to know them. You can just put a note on their door, uh, introduce yourself, say you'd like to get to know them, invite them over. Um, and if they have, give them a way to contact you. And if they, um, and I said in the piece, I think it's really important to invite them over a specific time because it's just so much easier for everyone. And also, you know, if they, if they don't want to, there's no, there's no sort of drama. If they, if they don't want to be your friend, they can just say, "Oh, sorry, can't make it that day." And then if you ask again, and the same thing happens, then you'll know. Okay, balls in their court. They'll reach out if they want to. Um, mm -hmm. for the when I last did this, I had someone say, "I can't make it that day, but please keep, keep including me in these in these uh, invites," which is nice. Um, I and I find people are more excited to be invited to something than they are cranky about being bothered um in general yep um and then and then um oh, two more join things and go to bars um <laughs> and join things that won't comment on but go to bars um again it's different here so i'll just talk about my experience in the u.s last time we visited chicago <laughs> we went to this like super dive bar and like as soon as we walked in everybody was like talking to us like oh what are you doing? like and <laughs> there was a guy sitting like near the door but at the bar but facing the door <clears throat> and he was like looking at the door and so as Patrick my husband walked in he like took out his ID and like handed it to him like he was like the bouncer and he was like no what are you what are you doing why are you handing me your ID um and it was just like a perfect awkward moment um to like just begin the conversation um you know the bartender's talking to us and then after that we went to this um like micro brew place with like exposed 
whatever um you know what what were you saying exposed piping and all of this stuff and it was horrible and nobody talked to us <laughs> and said like don't go to those places um so yeah let's talk about join things and um go to bars I guess we can start with go to bars since I went there <laughs> yeah, well it's, it's the fun place to be um yeah like, I, I don't mean to hate too much on like micro brews they're they're trying to make a good thing like everybody else um but they're just not I mean, I, I hate, I personally hate industrial sort of aesthetics because they just make it so difficult to talk. They're so loud, um, but they're just not set up for, that's not what they are. It's not what their sort of role in the ecosystem is. Um, they're for people who really are into beer. They're not people who are just kind of hanging out. Um, and so you'll, you're going to get uh, other exceptions, but they'll be different. Um, the, the bars I find really wonderful like you were talking about dive bars I feel like every every town has that one bar with like little you know neon signs let's say you know Miller High Life in the window um and they're they're kind of dark sometimes they're kind of gross um if you go there and like I don't know like maybe a Friday afternoon not quite evening there's always going to be like a bunch of bunch of old guys just sitting and uh you know, yammering. Um, and I feel like if you go, I don't know, just once a week, treat yourself to a little, you know, drink of choice. Um, you'll, you'll just, you'll just, you get sort of sucked into these networks of, of people. Um, and you know, the bar is a good place for talkers. People love talking in bars. They go to bars to talk, you know, at a certain hour in a certain context um you know i'm a rambler as you can see and i love you know being in bars and rambling off about some some scheme or other brewing in my head um yeah i love bars and they're so wonderful i i am so glad we are over the the 2020 2021 closures and they're great i i feel like i should be giving more advice there but it's, it's a pretty simple i just think it's they're great places and if you go once in a while you're gonna meet people and have a great time and maybe it's not something people need encouragement maybe people already knew that one <laughs> but they would have a good time at bars and then Donald, did you have yeah well i'm unqualified to talk on the bar question oh yeah I yeah go, i don't yeah, go to don't bars drink, right yeah but what about the what about the puritanical for that but yeah do you have a do you have a story <laughs> to share about the join things well question? joining things i so i am fairly socially inept but i'm also like have a short memory and i'm fearless and so i it doesn't it's fine to be socially inept if you just don't if you're kind of indifferent to the prospect of failure <laughs> uh but I've had pretty good success just starting random things and having people show up to them or um, or joining things, I guess. The, like, I had a poetry group here. I just put up some flyers around town and had, like, a couple random people. And we would just get together in my living room and read, read uh, poems together. Mm. And the only reason the group split up is that one of the main members had, like, moved back east to take care of her parents. But... Um, 
I find it's actually sort of remarkably like if you want something to exist, just making a flyer for it and putting it up. I didn't even put up that many. Yeah. And there's a lot of there's also a, a really lovely sort of person who just comes who just goes to things regardless what they are. I went took a little class recently on yeah. knife sharpening. Um, <laughs> like with whetstones. It was uh it was a really interesting class and the guy who taught it was it was great. Uh, I um <clears throat> I was I worked on sharpening my little like a uh, like a small camping axe. Um that I'd the blade really needed a lot of work but in any case this there was a lady in the class who didn't seem particularly interested in knife sharpening I mean she did everything but the guy was like oh nice to see you again it became clear that she just took every single class that this guy offered (laughs) or maybe every single class offered at this little is like this little community eco center place and this place is neat it has a garden and once a month, they have a weed and feed event where everyone works on like weeds the garden and then they make a big like soup or stew from all the stuff in the garden. Everyone just hangs out and eats it. Um, but in any case, this lady just showed up to just joined. She just came to classes. That was her thing, you know, uh, like my little brother's really into historical tours. Every he just signs up for like every walking tour <laughs> that he can possibly find. It's like him and, That's and so great. the elderly, you know, pretty much. Um, <laughs> architectural tours, historical tours, anything like that. But anyway, that's a great thing to do. Um, and you probably, you know, for those sort of one-off things, you probably won't make a friend. But, you know, you start to see the same person at a couple and you just get to, you know, mm-hmm. like hang out and meet people and, and learn things. Um, I joined the local, the committee for the local poetry contest. I did that for a, a year or two. That was my civic involvement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was the, it was a real funny little group and I don't know. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, joining things great. is good. Starting things is good. I the the dream now is at some point we want to try yes. to put together a shape note singing group. My wife and I, for some reason, Whoa. joined the Yiddish singing group in West Philadelphia. We like we don't know Yiddish, but we would get together this group of people and sing songs in Yiddish. <laughs> it was great. We're not good singers, but you know, <laughs> that's great. And actually, you know what it reminds me of a little bit now that you're all saying this is um. A few of our homeschooling episodes kind of get at this similar theme, which is that a lot of times um, uh, people who do homeschooling say, you know, my kid's just interested in this thing. And so we like go and see what resources are available in the community. And it's an opportunity to meet people. And it's an opportunity to like have the kid go outside their normal social bubble. And like all of this stuff applies to adults too. Like now that you're saying this, and I just feel like um, sometimes homeschooling is such a transformative experience for parents because they kind of realize all of these resources exist through the lens of trying to educate their kid. Um, and that brings a lot of like that same kind of spontaneity out. Um, but like, yeah, all these resources are kind of out there. And I love your list, Claire, like go to community <laughs> bulletin boards and libraries, go to rec centers, um, look at the Craigslist community section, go to Facebook groups, um, Although we can maybe 
acknowledge that um like some next door or facebook groups are just annoying in their own ways but you could just ignore that part oh yeah a lot of a lot of them <laughs> they're the the community is comprised of annoying people annoying and lovable people <laughs> always Yeah. my mother-in-law gives us updates about next door you know like the latest from next door it seems like a pretty Is wild that wild place Is that the one where people are always like <laughs> like I called 911 because I saw a bug or something like I yeah yeah feel like yeah that's the exactly the <laughs> okay um my mother-in-law also has over the last six months started volunteering at the food bank there's all you know i don't i, I can't recall if you talk about things like that but there's some you know um kind of volunteer things like that which become you know she goes every friday afternoon and like stock shelves of the food bank that you can really get to know people very well pretty quickly Yeah. for these uh routine uh volunteer not one-off things but where you're going and then there's no better way to get to know people than like doing physical labor together uh especially like Yeah. you become really close to people it's almost it's like the trick like coaches know it you know you just start off the season doing like hard pt together and then suddenly everyone is close Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think it's true. Um Yeah, I think, like, for some reason, like, a couple of years ago, I was like, oh, I can still play basketball. I'm allowed to do that. So I called up some people I know. I was like, do you guys want to, like, play on Friday? Just, um, and I feel like the, I, I put all, like, the fun, the, all the goods of sports, which, like, you know, doing, this isn't physical labor, but doing PT, doing some kind of like strenuous thing together, um, getting jostled around. Um, I, I just put that so firmly in my childhood, but um, I was like, oh, no, you can still do that. You just have to ask people and go to the court. Um, and I'm sure that's more obvious for some people, you know, um, they're already in pickup basketball leagues or whatever. But um, for me, it was a, like a, a rediscovery. Yeah, that's something similar happened to me recently too. And and here in Uruguay, it's very common to have adult leagues. Like the sports clubs, like no sports happen in schools. So the sports clubs are like centers for like social life um, for a lot of people. And, and, you know, kids have activities there. There's usually like a bar where old guys sit, like people have birthday parties there. There's like after school activities. Anyways, uh, You've my crushed husband... people at handball there. Yeah, so I was just going to say, my husband plays basketball, and a friend of mine, like, I'm friends with this, like, kind of, like, woo-woo hippie women, and I first, like, met this group because they started a group called the Luneras, the, like, women of the moon. We would meet every full moon. It was, like, That very, rules. <laughs> but That's she... awesome. <laughs> Um, and I was like, oh, and they were like, everybody has to wear a long skirt down to the ground. And I was like, oh, God, these people. Anyway, they're all, like, lovely. Um, and then they all got into handball recently, which I've never played in my life. I played volleyball and water polo. It's basically like water polo, but on a, on a court. Um, but the problem is I'm like five, nine and pretty athletic. Like I haven't played sports in a while, but, and everybody here is like five, four or shorter. And so I'm like afraid I was telling Donald this already. I'm afraid of hurting people. 
I play it like 50%, 30% capacity. Because if I like hit elbow someone and they're like 5'4". Anyways, but it's been fun because like everybody's in as a beginner. So we're like most of the practices just laughing at how little we know of the rules and how incompetent we are, which is like a fun. Once or twice a year, you got to go 100%. And just crush everyone, and then the rest. I did of the time that. Yeah, like, I, know. <laughs> I did that with volleyball. Like there would be certain games where I was like, I'm, I like, I just would go completely insane, and then people would be like, "Aren't you doing that all the time?" I don't know. I have a weird thing with sports with that, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, uh, but anyways, the the just being able to go on that routine. There's like twice weekly practices seeing the ladies just sweating a little bit laughing like and then you just catch up with people afterwards like what's up with you this one lady had like a little like you know kind of like um what is it multi-level marketing type thing so she's always bringing her products <laughs> you know that kind of stuff where yeah. you know um but it was it's it's good it's like part of the routine is really lovely um yeah. do we want to get to the other articles well just one uh, other thing i'd like to yeah. toss out there and this then we can talk about the other ones um is for the last three or four years i've been doing brazilian jiu-jitsu oh yeah and we have a great academy here i do it at uh i always go to the midday classes um which tend to be smaller and it's cool because a lot of the guys i you know we see each other there three or four times a week to two to four times a week and you know it's it's wrestling, so you're just like <laughs> literally grappling with each other. Um, and uh, which is something that, and it's all it's all it's all adults. It's something that's very hard to do, and so we're all just trying to learn together. And I'm completely addicted to it now. Um, because it just combines everything. It's like that's physically really cool. and mentally difficult. Uh. And I don't know, like fighting is extremely fun, but we don't get you don't get punched in the face. So you can just sort of keep doing it. Um, <laughs> so I highly recommend that. And now it's become popular enough that it sort of exists everywhere because it was once a kind of niche thing. Yeah. But you can pretty much go and find a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu gym. Almost anywhere, not that all of them are good, some of them uh can be pretty bad but usually they're at least decent and um and it's such a wide mix of guys it's such a big mix of guys some women too primarily men um at least the classes i go to uh but it's like you know there's a couple guys who work on ships like two weeks on two weeks off and then come and train we have a bunch of firefighters guys who work at the oil refinery people with email jobs like me um college students like older guys it's a huge range of people um and uh and of sizes of people and anyway it uh it's a lot of fun but that that um like the physicality of it uh, uh it's hard to get to do that anywhere else like the drama of the street, you know, you probably shouldn't start physical fights with people. It's harder to come back, <laughs> harder to come back from. Though there were times in history when that you still can, you still yeah. can. Uh, <laughs> when you did, wouldn't like you know get arrested for assault or whatever. Um, but uh, you know what? I have to share this story because I just brought it up to my kids. Um, 
and uh, I just think it's wild. And and uh, anyways, it was fun that it happened. So when I went to grad school in Washington State University of Pullman, um, there's always like frat parties, you know, every weekend and right. fr- like like yeah. roving gangs of frat boys before and after during these parties. And I was leaving a friend's house, um, you know, other fellow grad students, just like we would always just spend time in each other's apartments or whatever. And I was driving him home and Patrick and a frat group came and approached our car. And one of the guys jumped on top of the car. And I was like, oh, my God, what do I do in this scenario? Um, because I know that Patrick, well, Patrick was drinking. So was the other friend. I'm like, if anyone gets out of this car, it's going to turn into like a physical altercation. <laughs> so I it's, <laughs> it was a manual and I was on a hill, <laughs> but I went in first gear as, as hard as I could could go fast just not really fast like five miles an hour enough and then I hit the brake and it <laughs> fell off the front and then he got up like he was gonna hit the car and then I just drove away and I was like oh my god averted the fist fight thank god he wasn't really hurt it was, but it was like a a total like um I don't know like yeah I don't know movie scenario but I I don't know why that's what yeah like, doing that scenario. fast and the furious they were like oh my god i can't believe this story that's insane um people are really tame now yeah uh relatively like um used to be like fist fights at sporting events and rock concerts were very common like people would just fight uh i I oh but everyone hates philly fans yeah i know (laughs) uh philly fans kept it going later than most places probably like I recently read Richard Rhodes' uh, "The Making of the Atomic Bomb," which is an incredible book. But he describes they they built this plutonium plant in the middle of nowhere in eastern Washington, so they had to ship in thousands of construction workers, and like build a town for them. And they built all these saloons, and they had to they built the saloons such that they could fire tear gas into them because like every weekend was basically a riot. Like the guys would just get off work from building roads in the plutonium plant and go to saloons and fight until they like had to get cleared out with tear gas, you know? (laughs) I actually think though there is like, yeah, there is like a subverted male need to like get into some fights. And so I like your idea, Don, of jujitsu as a way to express that. But also like, I like the idea of hockey fights. I think that's great. I love the I kind of love the idea of fans yeah. fighting after like a like a soccer game in England. I don't know. Sometimes it's just necessary to brawl a little bit. Ashley Colby soccer hooligan. Okay, hooligan. Uh, right, so let's move on to uh, uh, cell phones or, or cars. <laughs> you call oh, it that. Well, I like the I like the cell phone story. It's, it's, <laughs> uh, nothing, there's nothing like a. There's no boring stories about Mexico. No, it's a great place. It's, just, it's a place. Mexicans are incredible and many <laughs> things to say about Mexico, but boring is not one of them. So could you just tell us the story? And, you know, you can leave a little bit out to entice people to go read it because it's a good, it's a great article. But <laughs> um, uh, you. Uh, yeah, tell us the story and you you're a pretty fearless traveler fearless or heedless i don't know but uh uh yeah tell the story of losing your phone in mexico 
Um, so I was down for a week in Mexico City, um, just having a great old time. Made a pilgrimage to the Basilica, staying at this great little, very cheap hotel in Centro Historico. And I wanted to go to the Plaza Garibaldi because I heard on weekends it's like the mariachi capital of the city. Um, and so I took, um, I wasn't, I, I wasn't sure I could figure out the address. So I took a taxi um, and I was punished smitten by god for my laziness taking a taxi because as i got out and as it was like fully driven away i was walking through the plaza and i reached in my purse for my phone and there was no phone there i had left it in the taxi um and this is like a a fairly trivial problem to have but it felt like a really big problem at the time um um it was i i just it was like oh my Okay, so what what if I don't get it back, what's my plan B? What do I have to do to get it back? Who do I have to call? What's my plan of action? Um and I it was just this very weird, I was just sitting in the uh in the this famous bar, the Salon Tanampa, having a beer, just kind of licking my wounds and just thinking, I was not always like this. It was it would not always have freaked me out so much that I didn't have a phone anymore. Um, and the essay kind of became a meditation on that, um, on uh, how quickly you forget how, that you can do things without a phone. Mm-hmm. Um, this kind of like very perfect and insulated little kind of bubble you have, all the things you need at your fingertips in that kind of appropriate convenient way um it's very nice uh but I I was just kind of like wow I've really I've really gotten soft (laughs) um so I don't know if that's if that's uh enough of the yeah teaser for the story or and I think the one of the takeaways um for people younger than us the younger than me might not even remember what this is like, but you you describe it as um, the, a web of dependencies and like the daily ways in which you would be like dependent on the kindness of strangers, literally to be able to get through your day. Like, can I borrow your phone? Or, you know, can do you know directions to X, Y, and Z place? Do you know of a hotel um, that you could recommend? And there was like, this network I traveled like all around the world with no smartphone um in like 2008 to 10 and it was like you know you'd go into an internet cafe (laughs) to look things up and you'd write it down you'd have like a physical map to get yourself around like all of those skills and on top of it you'd be like um you know relying that like on some amount of trust in in the world other people yeah yeah in other people and there's like there is something really lost in the convenience of the alternative as it is now. I used to travel, like I didn't have a cell phone at all until my first kid was born. And now I just have a flip phone. Um, But I have fond memories. I would always, like I did a long, like a, I don't know, six week trip on the West Coast. Um. And I just remember I had a sheet of paper where I wrote down 
like the phone numbers of people that I had that I knew in various cities. And I had a, I had like one or two specific places or times I had to get to, but then most of the in between was just, you know, like choose your own adventure kind of deal. Um, right. And you end up getting interesting. Like I got a ride from San Francisco to Portland from the sister of a friend's roommate who just happened to be moving to Portland the weekend I wanted to go there. Mm-hmm. And she gave she drove me the whole way. Um, and I did some hitchhiking. Like I tried. To, I thought hitchhiking out of Eugene, Oregon was going to be really easy because Eugene's kind of a hippie, whatever town. But I just was there forever and no one was picking me up. So I decided to walk to the next on ramp. And I was walking along the highway and a truck of guys from Oaxaca pulled over. and gave me a ride, <laughs> which was great. They really wanted me to eat pork rinds with them. I didn't want to eat pork rinds, but they were very nice. They didn't speak any English uh just serendipity and cool stuff happens um it's interesting like reviews like online reviews have now really shaped how people interact with a place like i think that's one hard one thing it's like oh we go to a town like what what place has the good reviews you know it's like what um as opposed to like you said asking around uh yep definitely something yeah. and i feel like i don't know there's a whole set of things that seem really scary until you have to do them and then they don't and i mean it's nice not having to do them it's nice just it's nice having a little bit of money and a phone and be able to say like oh if i get stranded i can afford a hotel i can i don't have to like think on my feet about how to fix these problems but um I don't know it's 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 nice occasionally being reminded that like yes you can lose these things you can lose a lot of these things and you'll still be fine you can figure it out yeah um yeah i um once was trying to get to syria from jordan and um if you have gone to israel and it's stamped on your passport then syria won't let you in right um, and in. so when I was leaving Egypt to go to Israel, I asked them to stamp like a separate piece of paper and they understood and they did that. But then the Syrians saw that my exit point was the entry point to Israel. So they assumed that I went to Israel. So I wasn't able to get in anyways. Um, so I'm stuck at the Syrian border and I took a bus there. This was with my boyfriend at the time. And um, and the Syrian family was like going back to Jordan uh, was coming from Syria to Jordan and um and just took me back and then they like in very broken like in some French because they that was the only like romantic uh language that or you know intermediary language they knew I was like looking stuff up in my book they asked if I could stay with that if I wanted to stay with them so we stayed with them you know and I think this is like a devout Muslim family they're not supposed to, oh, to drink wonderful. and then they this guy pulls out a giant bottle of like I don't know some kind of bathtub liquor and pours it like like <laughs> eight ounces in a cup like and there's like this Muslim hospitality culture and I'm like I think there's like the, and I've always had the rule like if anyone serves me something I'm gonna drink it or eat it like but that I was like thank you right. I just took like a couple sips but 
getting what trashed on party? prison hooch in yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is not safe, like medically unsafe um, amount of, I'm, not, I'm willing to it's break my It's going to burn my stomach. <laughs> yeah, but it was really sweet and what a fun story. And I stayed with them for a couple of days and like, you know, got to see their whole like family routine and, and um, yeah, I mean, I think what that would never have happened. I don't think now. You know, I would just probably find some sort of like taxi type system or, you know, go to a hotel or. Right. People are really hospitable. Like people they love, are. it's it's exciting to have travelers, you know, mm -hmm. and to meet strangers and have like that weird one or two days of intense closeness and you stay up all night talking and then it's like, oh, and I'll probably never see this person ever again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was with some yeah. on that trip. Maybe it was a different trip, and I was, we snuck into the Thousand Oaks Carnival in California, in Thousand Oaks, California, uh, the county fair. Fog Hat was playing, uh, and and then we met these people there. The one guy was like seven feet tall, and his friend was really short. And the short guy had a V tattooed on one hand and a gun tattooed on the other. Like the most intense vegan tattoo right. ever. And he was really into dance, <laughs> dance revolution, like the the dancing video yeah. game. And I we ended up staying at those guys' house. And their whole house was covered in mass market paperback sci-fi novels. You know? Uh <laughs> and like these guys had never met me in my their life, you know, and I'm like sleeping on the floor in their sci-fi novel house. And it was unclear how the two guys even knew each other, you know. Uh but people are really hospitable. That's yeah, they are. And I think especially when they see someone in a jam, like even if they like they wouldn't want to sort of talk to you or hang out with you, or like even if they have no real like friendly relation to you in normal circumstances if people see someone in a jam i feel like from most of them it activates some like very basic like special mode of relating where all mm -hmm. kinds of normal boundaries can be crossed over in order to help mm -hmm. um related i guess um i guess we could just uh, briefly touch on before we wrap up this um, article about driving and cars um, <laughs> driven apart Not driving. Um, and I feel like this is an under discussed topic um, where I guess the, it, you you make the argument that like you know in the popular um, consciousness especially in the U.S. there's this idea of like freedom that comes along with cars um, but there's also like this fear of car crashes and and um, the danger al alongside it. But there's not that much conversation about like the the quality of the experience of like walking or biking relative to like speeding by in a car. Um, and um, I I think about I remember in Ed Abbey's book Ed Abbey's this writer about the American West. Um, and he wrote about this national park, um, which is now, was not then a national park, but now is the arches. He said like the tourists come in and they're just speeding through, like they're just speeding through to see it as quickly as possible. And I remember this line so, so vividly. It was like, these people need to get out of their cars and crawl on their hands and knees through the desert if they want to see it. And like, just keep crawling yeah. until your knees hurt. And I was just like, you know, just thinking about 
the quality of the things that you can see at different speeds of yeah. like relating to the world, moving through the world. No, I think it's true. I think, um, yeah, you, it's different. It's you, you sort of experience things as like a, as like a panorama almost like a, it's to me, there's some like the experience of being in a car is almost more like going to a movie like the outward world like looks like is in certain way like projected for me i'm not really in it i'm separate from it um they're just very qualitatively different and it can be fun to go super fast and see the you know panorama of the hills rolling by but it's not i don't think it's good if it's your only way of sort of navigating through space mm-hmm and I guess it kind of comes back around to like the conversation we started with, like about civic life um, in some ways, because um, there's something really closed off about being in a car um, and driving through a place as opposed to even being on a motorcycle. I feel like part of the reason people like motorcycles is you're like out in the world more able to interact with it, but even more so walking like Donald was describing, like walking around and talking to neighbors and commenting on their gardens um not going to happen with you know if you're driving by in a car you're shouting to them from the street there's <laughs> amazing things that can happen when you go I, this is going back to our initial conversation but it just occurred to me like i uh i work four days a week and then on friday my wife works and i'm uh with the girls and um we have a rough routine where if the weather's nice we go to the park and if the weather's bad we go to the children's museum but it used to be every friday at the park we got to know this pair of these grandparents who would always bring their kids we would just see them every friday and we got to know them and then uh it turns out that the the grandfather is the Greek chanter at the Orthodox Church in town where we now go. And they lived like three blocks away from us. And now, like, uh, anyway, it just all these amazing connections to them, which we had no idea about when we got to know them. Um, we would just see them on Fridays and like my kids would play with their grandkids. Wonderful. and was so, so i live in a small enough place where that sort of thing is possible but i feel like even in big places if you have the recurring thing you'll meet people who are approximate to it um yeah i anyway i yeah i, I think that it's a, just a charming i don't know I, I love hearing these little like charming vignettes of other people's lives because it just the variety of of how these kinds of blossoming networks and love of where you live the, the different forms they take um i don't know it's, it's it's very beautiful to me there's there are as many ways for it to go as there are people in the world mm. and, i love that anything um 
else I don't know you feel like expressing that comes up um as we kind of like reflect back on this conversation I've I've really enjoyed this because um we've got to tell a lot of stories and I feel like the stories are um are just really compelling um like it's good to couch the stories in the theory but I feel like um Jumer optimism would be would it would be helpful to move more in the direction of stories I feel like they really illustrate they're so fun like they really illustrate the joy of like what you're trying to get across but so anything else you want to like we haven't touched on I feel like kind of kind of like hangs these this philosophy together that you're uh that re is being represented by these three articles well, that's a great question um I think I guess I think I, I I often see this sense um online and often from I think very young people who are you know struggling with all the um all the petty humiliations of finding a job and living in a terrible apartment with you know a terrible floor chosen by your landlord and all these things in life that are just a real just a real kick in the nards, but uh, there's this like sense like only, only what is, what is legibly, what is like visible to others and important is worthwhile. Only building a legacy or greatness or having it all like I think there's like masculine and feminine coded versions of this. Um, you know, having this grammable life or being, you know. Um, uh just I, I don't know just this 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 sort of seething um need for something to validate that your life is worthwhile and, and to me I just I think life is so wonderful um it, it even when it's really bad and really hard I I think um things that are not really important that don't really ever get noticed by anyone else or show up or have even have anything they really are working towards are just so worthwhile. Um, and I, I just, I want people, especially that I, I see sort of getting more and more sucked into the cattle shoot of online life, just to not be afraid of life. Um, not, not be afraid of, I think this is partially just from going up in a big family where everything is constantly collapsing around you. Um, it's not, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it is, it, it is not like, it is not sedate or, or pretty most of the time. Um, but it is just well, so, yeah, it's just the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, and I feel like that on a sort of larger scale is what I, what I hope my relation to the cosmos is and mm. yeah I guess don't just not being afraid of life and also if, if, if you see something worth doing do it no one's going to give you permission to live a good life no one's going to like say oh you know here's here's how you can have your 401k and everything be perfect and nothing threatened and also you get to have all these adventures and like you have to pick, like choose what you want. If it's if it's having that 401k so you can support your family, that's that's good. That's worthwhile. If it's, you know, if it's 
blowing up your life and moving back to your hometown or something, then do that. But don't wait for permission from somebody. Mm. Oh, sorry. That's no, I love yeah, that. I love fault. that so much. No, um, I, while I was reading this uh, article, I was thinking there's this like little children's library that we have in our community and I don't go every week. I should go every week. I should just go every week and I should make it part of my routine. So I'm going to do that inspired by your, your writing and this conversation. Um, <laughs> Thank just you. Just like, be forced into these little routines too. Like just to force yourself, just go and do it. Uh, it's easier to sit at home and just like, you know, and I don't know, just spend time only with the family, but it's good to get outside of your bubble and, and like have those inter interactions regularly built into your schedule too. So um, thank you so much. This was lovely. Anything else, Don, from you? I think this is a good way to close. Thanks, Claire. Wonderful. Thank, thank you so you much. Guys. Really good meeting right. you. See you again.